0: Hey guys, it's season four here at On The Path, and we are speaking today about the foster care system. This conversation you do not want to miss. Coming up next, we are speaking with uh, national spokesperson, writer, author, and speaker, Tori Hope Peterson. She is a force to be reckoned with, and she is the author of a brand new book called Fostered, which details the harrowing story of her life in 12 foster homes and the incredible man who was her high school track coach who ended up being an adopted father you do not want to miss the story as she now lives a life speaking on behalf of those who have been fostered she has an adopted adult son herself it's an incredible story guys you do not want to miss it available on all podcast platforms or subscribe to my youtube channel watch it on yes tv or stream it 24 hours into the castle I will see you on the path. You're listening to On the Path Podcast with Cheryl Nemhard, brought to you by Fight for Freedom. Follow Cheryl Nemhard on all social media platforms. Hey guys, welcome to on the path. I'm so excited to have you with me. As I always say with us, we are here learning, growing, being challenged together and going deeper in our faith through these incredible, incredible stories. Guys, I have a powerhouse in the building. This is someone I love. Uh, this is a young girl blazing a trail, I have been tracking with her for a few years. You are going to love her story. I can't wait to introduce you to Tori Hope Peterson. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Tori Hope Peterson is a former foster youth, letting her Abba father be known through her stories. I love that. Tori is a wife, biological mom, and adoptive mom as well. She's a national speaker, writer, and advocate. And she founded the Beloved Initiative, which is a nonprofit where in community, get this, people learn how to become professional lovers of people. I think we all need a bit of refresher course in that. You can pre-order Tori's best-selling debut memoir called Fostered now, which will be released October 15th. If you want to talk about a story of healing, you're looking at someone who has been in multiple, wait till you hear this story, multiple foster homes and is now taking the brokenness of that and letting God use it for his glory. Would you welcome Tori Hope Peterson. Thank you, Cheryl. That was the funnest introduction anyone's
1: ever done. Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tori, I just love you. We've been waiting to do this for so long. I'm so glad we got to make this happen. Oh, I just love you so much. Anyways, Tori, I know that uh, especially those on the northern side of things uh, might be so excited to hear your story for the first time, uh, get to know you. I always say behind every world changer is a story or a life that changed their world. You have an incredible world changing story. Would you mind sharing some of your journey with our listeners and viewers?
1: Yeah. First, thank you so much for having me on, Cheryl. I love you, too. And, um, you know, when I share my story, I like to say that it really it's it's my story. I get the great honor of sharing it. But as I tell it, I want people to pay attention to the people in it, because that's like what the story is about. So I first went to the foster care system when I was three years old due to a drug bust. And um, then I was reunified with my mom, which is one of the purposes of the foster care system—is to reunite families. Some people think that the foster care system is just so that um, it it always results in adoption, but it actually is to reunify families. So I went to go live with my mom again. But then, as I got older, her mental illness—it just got worse. My mom had experienced a lot of hardship when she was younger, and we know that hurt people hurt people, and that trauma continues. To grow um, and fester if we don't have the tools to heal from it. So my mom's trauma just um, continued to hurt her. And then I re-entered the foster care system as an adolescent, this time with my sister. And I thought, okay, this is mine and my sister's opportunity to have a family to escape the abuse. I was actually excited to go into the foster care system. I was hopeful I should say, I don't know if I was excited. I was hopeful that things were going to change. But within a month of being in our first foster home together, my sister and I were separated. And um, everything that I thought the foster care system, hoped for the foster care system would be, just kind of crumbled before my eyes. I went to go live in a residential group home facility, which in America, we say that we don't have orphanages. I think that's uh, like to save face to keep us, prideful, but we do have group homes and residential treatment centers, which reflect orphanages in a lot of ways. I lived in a home with nine other young women, um, who they, you know, the people, caseworkers, they couldn't find a home for them. They couldn't find a family for us. And in that home, in that group home, I just wanted to get out. I was like, these girls are crazy. I don't want to be around these girls. I'm better than them. And I started to go to church on Sundays just because I wanted to get out of the house because the only place that we went outside of the house was the school, really, wow. because it was all it was all on like campus. Um, like Even the school was on the campus. And so we didn't get to like go out very much. And I was like, I'm going to go to church. And within that, I started hearing these messages about forgiveness. I thought about my mom and kindness. And I thought about the girls and how I wasn't. I wasn't very nice to them, thinking that I was better than them. And I also started going to counseling. There was mandatory counseling that we had to all do through the program. And we also had to do group counseling. And through the group, there was one young girl who was sharing her story. And I realized through her story that I was very similar. Our stories were similar. And I thought... um, you know, she had hurt some of the girls in the home. And I thought, you know, if our stories are similar, then could I be like doing the same thing that she's doing without even knowing? Like, could I actually be hurting people? Could I be a hurt person that's hurting people? And um, I thought I, I was like, I, I possibly am. And I think out of fear, I was like, I don't want to be a hurt person who hurts people. I want to be a healed person who has a part in healing people. And so I started taking counseling really, really seriously. And throughout my life, I always go back to that story and understand that there is so much power when we listen to other people's stories and we see people not as a problem, but as a solution, Mm. because it was in listening to these girls and learning to the learning from these girls who I thought were the problem, who I thought I was better than that. I actually grew and I actually have become so much of who I am because of those girls in that group home.
0: Wow. And Tor- Tori, what a life. I mean, I can't imagine going from foster home to foster home. I can't imagine the, the despair, the frustration, the anger, the feelings of being abandoned, rejection, all the things that young people work through, even outside of that kind of tough, stressful situation. But then adding that as well, I'm just so thankful that you were strong and that you are here and that, you know, you didn't, as you said, make harmful choices. And was there like a turning point for you? Like, cause you're, you're like incredible now. I mean, you're, you're just, you're speaking everywhere. You're a champion for the foster care system. You're such a voice. What was the turning point?
1: So I go on from that group home. I moved throughout 10 more foster homes. Um, And and throughout
0: my- Pause. How many foster homes? I just want you to say that again.
1: So I lived through 12 foster homes total throughout my entire time in care. Wow.
0: 12 foster homes.
1: Yeah. And I felt super displaced, just like you said. I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. And I would say the turning point, it, it happened when I had a foster mom who started taking me to church every Sunday. And like when I was going to church in the group home, I was going to church in the group home, but that didn't really mean anything to me. I was really just trying to like, Like get, get out of the house, get away from the girls. And then I had a foster mom who was taking me to church and, um, there, there's just a community there. They had really poured into me and they, they had a heart for the foster care system. The church had started a nonprofit to serve foster youth and foster families. And then they would ask me to like share my story on stage and they would. And I think like, I wasn't even a Christian then. I think there was a lot of people who would be like, that was so unwise that those pastors did that. And they would almost like shame the pastors. But what I see that they did, they were planting seeds for everything that I'm doing now. And I had no idea that that's what they were doing. But they saw who God had created me to be. And they said, we're going to cultivate this. Like, we believe. And they they just spoke over me. Like, you're you're anointed. You're appointed. You're called. And of course, like, I'm like 17. I'm not Christian. I don't even know what those words mean. That's like Christianese. but. Right. Uh, they still spoke life over me, which contradicted all of the lies that had been spoken over me. And then I had a track coach who came into my life and he said, Tori, I believe that you can go on to the state track meet. I think that you can win it, which I was like, I've never heard anything like that. Like people did, it, it was such a, t- like my church was telling me you're anointed, you're pointed. I didn't know what that meant. It wasn't tangible. It was way out here. And my track coach gave me something so tangible. Like you can go on and win state, you can get a scholarship to college. And that's what I wanted. I just didn't know it. So um, I, I went and I trained with him and we became very close. He was like the father figure that I had always wanted. And wow. that year I became a four-time state champion in track and field. That's what allowed me to go to college um, on a full-ride wow. scholarship.
0: <laughs> and only... A four-time, four-time state champion. Yes. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> Thank wow. you. Wow. Congratulations, Tori, on that. Wow. Thank you. And
1: that, that really was a turning point because it was such it was a tangible victory that I could see. I just felt like God was on my side. He wanted to write a different story for me. And that was the beginning. And my my track coach, even before that, even before I became a state champion, he welcomed me into his home and he said, you're going to be a part of our family. And he's the man who walked me down the aisle and he's who my kids call grandpa. So it was just kind of like this, it was, it wasn't a moment as much as it was like the series of people showing up and loving me and speaking life into me when I really, really needed it.
0: Oh my goodness. Oh, I love that. Wow. What an incredible story. And it's a, it's all in your book, brand new book. I'm so excited for you, Fostered, which will be available anywhere and everywhere books are sold, guys. you got to grab it and read this incredible story of like redemption and rescue and restoration and, uh, like adoption spiritually. And, and, you know, just, it's, it's an incredible life. And you, I know that you have an adult, uh, that's an incredible story right there. Just quickly, uh, the ages of your kids, just so people can hear your story on that side.
1: Sure, so I have a three year old who will be four in November, and then I have a two-year-old. These are my two biological children. And then my husband and I adopted a young man um, who came to he's an immigrant from Liberia and he was homeless here in the States because of his situation. He couldn't go into the foster care system. So he he got into our home through a means of the church connections, people knowing our ministry and what we do. Um, and then he lived with us for a bit and he asked us if we would adopt him. And, um, I honestly, Cheryl, honestly, I thought if we adopt him, people are going to judge us because we have a, right. we have a, like a five, five year gap, um, in age. And I thought if we adopt him or no, it's six, six, I don't even know how much it is. It's some kind of years. It's funny because I don't even think about it anymore, but, um, I was like, people are going to judge us and think it's weird. And when my track coach took me in and when he adopted me, people judged him and thought it was weird. But then I see, I'm like, he changed my life though. He changed the trajectory of my life and he's chosen Mm -hmm. love again and again and again. And when we're walking hand in hand with Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, we're going to look crazy and people are going to make fun of us. People made fun of Jesus. So we, we said yes to him. And we adopted him, um, about two years ago now. And then we now have my sister who I was once separated from now living with us.
0: Oh, you reconnected with your sister. Oh, how incredible. Yeah. So we connected, um, about a
1: year reconnected about a year. I mean, we had like talked, you know, but, um, because of the different situation she was in, it was kind of hard to connect. She was in just very difficult situations where people wanted to separate her from her biological family. Right. Um, And so there just wasn't an ability to connect, but she had a chance um, to come and stay with us for spring break. When we were, we were living in Minnesota at the time. And she said, you know, she wasn't in a good situation. And she said, I really want to move but I don't want to move schools. And she's an amazing student, an amazing kid. Um, and I was just like, you know, I didn't want to move her schools because that was one of the things I felt like my caseworkers did right. They kept me in the same school. Wow, and so that... I was like, we're gonna, we're gonna move to her. So now we, we moved, we live in Ohio now. Um, and now oh she's, she's God. living with us.
0: You moved to her. Oh my goodness. Is that not Is that not a picture of the father's heart? Like, I will come to you. I will meet you where you are. I love that. Oh, my goodness, Tori. I don't even know where to go. But yes, I do. Actually, I do. I want to know this because, I, you know, you're such a champion for the foster care system. You live it daily. You are literally an adoptive mom to someone else. And you brought your sister in. I feel, and you talked about judging. I want to stay there. I feel like we get a lot wrong in this area. Uh, with the foster care system and foster society, what, what do we, what are we missing? What are we, what are we thinking wrong? And what do we need to know about those that are fostered?
1: I think that we, as a society can easily look at statistics, stigmas, stereotypes, and just put these labels on kids. If we really want to go to the hard place, I think when we do that, it's because it makes it easier for us to not get involved. When we say, well, these kids could do X, Y, and Z. Well, these kids come from X, Y, and Z background. I need to keep my family safe or I need to, you know, create this boundary because this is the right thing to do. Then it allows us not to do like the dirty work. And I'm not Mm. saying everyone is called to be a foster parent. That's not what I'm saying or an adoptive parent, but Mm. I do believe that we are all called in some capacity to, to serve those, to serve the least of these, to reach out to the marginalized and let them know that they truly are loved and their identity is in Christ. And we can only do that if we see them not through the lens of stigmas and stereotypes, but through the lens of how God sees them, because God sees them as mm. a child of God. And when we interact with foster youth and the foster care system in that capacity, it cha- when we change the way we see it's going to change the way that, we get involved.
0: So good. Now we know why you're the, you're such a voice for the foster care system. Um, thank you for helping us there. I I know that, I know that even, even now as we're listening, there are people that have been really toying with the idea. I just feel that of like adoption and wondering, uh, am I too young? Am I too this? Am I too that? What would you say to someone like that?
1: Yeah, I think that like we all have those doubts about ourselves. I think the number one thing I hear is that I would get too attached. And I love that because that's exactly what youth in foster care need. They need connection. They need attachment. We know that the thing that is like most healing to kids who come from hard places and even for, for like me and you, people who are, right. who have went through the process of healing, we know that the most healing thing is connection it's relationship. And so if you're scared of getting too attached, like, go ahead, you need to jump into it. You'd be great at it. (laughs) But I would say, you know, I think, I think in everything that we do and I pray for it all the time and I still don't think I I have it, (laughs) but is discernment. Um, We need to pray for discernment to see what part do we play in all this? And when I look at, you know, the story of my track coach, people are always like, they just assume he's a teacher because he was a coach or they assume that he was a nonprofit or he was a pastor. But my track coach, he's a factory worker. He worked in the factory during the day. And then he came and coached track uh, in the evenings. And he was he's just the most ordinary, humble man. And I think he could have easily said like, oh, I'm just too ordinary. Like, oh, I have this factory job. Like, I can't take in like a kid. But he said, I'm going to just show up and love the person in front of me.
0: Wow. Ooh. Oh, man. So God is calling all of us as ordinary people to just show up and love the person in front of us. That is powerful my goodness that alone i would grab the book that okay. alone um and speaking of the book how how did it even come to be how did how did tell us about the process and and what's your hope for the book
1: yeah this is so like this question is just i never know how to answer it but i'm going to tell you a story because someone just reached out to me yesterday and they said would this book be good for youth in foster care like teenagers in foster care and I was like, I, that's who I wrote the book for. I wrote the book for kids who had gone through something like me. I thought, I'm going to write a book where i if I was 18-year-old, 17, 16-year-old Tori, I would grab this off the shelf and I would find hope in it. I would know that there was a purpose and plan for my life. And I would be able to find hope in the despair of moving from home to home and feeling like no one loved me. That's the book I wanted to write. And I thought her question was so crazy because where the book has went is it has been educating people who want to get involved. And it's been educating people who, who help and serve kids in some capacity who come from hard places. And it like, I love that it's a resource. Um, I love that. That's what God, God has made of it. But it was really just a book that I was like, I want the teenager in foster care to know that they truly are loved.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. It's, it's, it's a book about love on both sides. (laughs) More, more, more capacity for us to love the people in front of us, but also to let them know that they're loved. I love that. Um, It's everything you're saying is like flowing into the next question. I know you didn't plan that. (laughs) Speaking of love, uh, you have an incredible ministry initiative called the beloved initiative. I love that title. Tell us a little bit about it.
1: So I formed the Beloved Initiative in 2020 during the pandemic um, when I started (laughs) just doing this work. Uh, Somehow when everything shut down, that's when I started getting more, I got like just more speaking engagements and most of them were virtual. Um, but I, I started to realize that there's like a ministry here. Um, and actually I was just like, I was sharing on social media, telling people, um, about foster care system, sharing my story. And I thought I was just, I was just storytelling. And then people would come to me and they would say, how can I support your ministry? And I was like, oh, I have a ministry. It's like, okay, I guess I have a ministry here. Um, I started the beloved initiative because I really didn't want like with, when you're on social media, you, I felt like I I so easily became the center and I became a large voice in the foster care realm. And what I was afraid of was that I was going to be almost drowning out or Mm. speaking over other voices. And so I started the Beloved Initiative because I firmly believe that like you can't be a voice for the voiceless. I don't think that that's helpful. And that's, that's something that people kind of act like you're a voice for the voiceless. And I was like, no, I really don't want to be like, I want to give them a space and a place to share their voices because their voices matter. Their stories matter. I want to amplify them and I want you guys to listen to not just me, but listen to them. Um, And so that's what the beloved initiative intends to do. I started, started with um, taking, youth in foster care and former foster youth with me to speaking engagements so they could see the power of storytelling and they could see what their stories could do if they wanted to do something in that capacity. And then we um, got billboard places, like billboard um, advertisements to donate billboard spaces to us. And I had youth in foster care and human trafficking survivors begin to create art. And we asked the question, what do you want people to know about you as a survivor? And we put that on the billboard. Um, And now we are moving towards, yeah, now we're moving towards um, writing retreats and workshops for survivors who want to share their story. Because when I wrote, I wrote my book and people survivors kept coming to me and they're like, I want to share my story, but I don't know how. And I really believe like, I don't want to give the enemy too much credit. I don't like giving him too much credit, but I really believe there is a stronghold on survivors like the enemy has a stronghold on them and sharing their story. There's so many attacks. The enemy does not want voices to be amplified because he wants the abuse to keep happening. And so I just decided, like, we are going to defeat the enemy and we're going to create workshops and we're going to create spaces and places, holy spaces and places, so that these women can come and really it's open to men too. That's just not who, uh, it, like submits the applications. Cause that's not who I speak to, I guess, but, um, these survivors are going to come and they are going to learn how to share in a way that brings them healing and in a way that brings healing to others.
0: Oh, I love this story. And can they find all of that? Like on your website, anyone that's curious about that? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I can't wait. So why why don't we drop it right now? Go ahead. Tell us your website, please.
1: Yes. So my personal website is Tori Hope Peterson, and that's S-E-N, not S-O-N. And then the Beloved Initiative, is just belovedinitiative.org.
0: Beautiful. Love that. Oh, wow. Tori, you know, when I think about your life, I'm just, I stand amazed at all that God has done. And you are, as you said, you are healing, you know, because no one's arrived. You are healing. You're on this journey of healing. And um it's incredible to hear how you are now being this like instrument for others to heal. Um, I can only imagine how many people that are listening and watching that have a shared experience, maybe not as, uh, you know, step for step, but trauma, woundedness, like abuse, just deep, deep wounds as a child. I know I have them and still working through uh, the healing journey. What would you say to someone who feels stuck, feels like maybe they can't get past it, or it's just always showing up in their life?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that I want to be honest because I think that people can look at me and they can think, okay, she is healed. She has, she's like at, at the point of, she's at her peak, but I still have, you know, these words that circle in my head that, you know, they were the toxic and hurtful things spoken over me when I was a kid. And they still make me question my identity and all that I'm doing and I still struggle with anxiety. And I, I want to say that those things, even in the people you might look up to, are normal. Um, they're often just not being talked about. And with practical advice, I want to encourage people to be in community. I feel like that's what's been the most healing thing for me, is when people speak truth over me and they tell me who, I'm, who I am, And who God created me to be and what I'm called to when I'm questioning it because of what was spoken over me as a kid. Um, Because that I think that it's really what brings us to these places of extreme anxiety or depression or not feeling like we can overcome is the lies that people and the enemy have planted in our head. Because those lies stop us from doing what God has called us to do. And they stop us from believing who God has created us to be as people with a purpose and a plan and potential to change other people's lives, to love people Mm -hmm. deeply. That's really who God has created us to be. And the enemy doesn't want any of that. So I think if we are surrounding ourselves by people who speak truth over us, um, then, then we can step into those places, um, that, that God Mm -hmm. has called us into. And when we're walking in our purpose, when we are um, confident and not, not like confident, not like this confident, like, Oh, I can do this. Uh-huh. And like not confidence without right. insecurity, but confident in a way of like, okay, I think, I think I'm going the way that God wants me to go. Um, we start to heal and we start to see the good works that God is doing through us. And we believe in doing all these things. We believe in who God has created us to be.
0: Oh, wow. So beautiful, Tori. Thank you for that. You know, um, as we kind of like began to wind down in our conversation, which was amazing as I knew it would be. I knew it would be. Um, I always say that storms are our greatest teachers. And so we learn way more in the rock bottom, tough, hard spaces, places of our lives than anywhere else. It's, it's the character shaping stuff. What have the rock bottom moments of your life taught you, Tori, about Tory? number one, uh, about God and about others?
1: Mm-hmm. I love that you use this analogy because in the beginning of my book, I offer a trigger warning for my readers because I imagined, you know, that the people reading it would live sim- would have lived similar lives in some capacity to mine. But in the beginning, I talk about how Jesus slept through the storm. And, you know, all the people, all his disciples around him, they were freaking out. And Jesus just slept through the storm. Um, and so I think the storms of my life have taught me um, how to be a storm sleeper because I know that I belong uh, to the ultimate storm sleeper. And so I don't have to worry um, as a disciple. I don't have to be scared of the winds and the waves because every time through the storm— God refines me. Um, he reminds me how much he loves me. Um, and he teaches me the lessons that bring me closer to him. Um, and I think above all else, you know, what foster care has taught me, what being a foster mom and adoptive mom and a community member has taught me, um, is that, you know, when we, when we look at other people, and they're different than us. Um, there's so much beauty in that. I've learned so much by living, you know, when you're in the foster care system, you live intimately with people who are very different than you. And who are very right. different than the last foster home. And through that, I've learned that everyone is the way they are for usually a very um, intentional, meaningful, beautiful reason. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is a reason to, to love, love them all the more, love them by who, for who God has created them to me, um, and accept them for that.
0: Wow. Oh, Tori, you are such a, you're, you're just, you're just pouring out, out of your soul, out of everything you say. I can hear the love of God. I can hear the healing redemptive work. I can, I can feel it. I can see it. Thank you for sharing so openly uh, from your life and helping us find healing from brokenness, from trauma, and letting us know that there's this incredible life that we can actually take that thing and now use it, that story, and now repurpose it and actually help people, win souls, encourage, like lift up others. It's incredible to watch your journey. I'm so proud of you. I feel very anti-ish right now. I need to calm that down. (laughs) I'm so proud of you. Um, so listen, guys, we're talking about Foster, the incredible brand new book by Tori Holt Peterson, available anywhere and everywhere books are sold. And you need to, you need to connect with this girl. She is blazing a trail, blazing a trail for the foster care system and those that do the work when it comes to adoption and just loving, Children that don't biologically belong to us, and there's so many children that need to be loved, guys. Um, how can we stalk you? <laughs> I say that, I say that in a healthy way, but how can we track with you? How can we track yes, with you? And, and tell please, us all the things, please
1: stalk me. <laughs> yeah. Please stalk me, that's part of the job. Um, you can find me at Tori Hope Peterson pretty much on all the socials. I just mostly, I'm most active on Instagram trying out TikTok. And I just joined Be Real. And Peterson, again, is
0: S-E-N, not S-O-N. I love it. S-E-N. Beautiful. Okay, well, Tori, we're down to the last little bit. I got a surprise question for you. (laughs) I didn't put it in your script. It always just says surprise question. So I want you to finish this sentence in light of our conversation uh, with everything we talked about your book as the backdrop. Finish this sentence. It's time for what? It's time for what? It's
1: time for survivors to be heard and believed.
0: Oh, come on. It's time for survivors. And what did you just say there again?
1: It's time for survivors to be heard and believed.
0: Yeah. It's time for survivors to be heard and believed. I love that. I'm going to flip it on you. Are you ready? What is it not time for? What is it not time for?
1: It is not time for oppression
0: and silencing. Bang, bang with the strong finish. Oppression and silencing. Yeah. Um, And I love what you said. I've heard you say this before, just in closing, but you said, I I refuse to call myself a voice for the voiceless because they have one. It's just a matter of amplifying those voices, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any last things you want to say, Tori, to us? Anything you want to leave as a final thought?
1: You know, if there, you know, I'm sure that there are people who are not believers and who are listening to this. And my, um, my intention is not to be, not include you, but I think for the believers who are listening to this, uh, one of my favorite scriptures says they will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. Um, so I just want to encourage people to, if you want to win souls, if you want to bring people to Christ, um, You must do it by loving those around you and loving them well, because they will know that we are his disciples by our love for one
0: another. So good. Tori, thank you so much for being on the path with us.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having me. Oh,
0: so good. I cannot wait to see all that God's going to do with your incredible book, Foster. Congratulations again. And we will definitely have you back. Thank you. Wow, what an incredible story with Tori Hope Peterson. I'm so thankful to have her. Thank you for coming on the path with us. And listen, I love what she said, that we all live ordinary lives and all that God is asking us to do is to love the person in front of us. Brain explosion right there. I think sometimes we complicate this call of God that we have, or I'm going to do all these big things, but sometimes it's the most simplest things that make the greatest impact. So I have a question for you. Who are you going to love today? Who are you going to embrace? What person will you welcome? I I pray that you will be a voice and a person of change in this hard hard season that we're in guys keep living keep learning keep loving intentionally and i will see you you're listening to on the path podcast with cheryl nemhart brought to you by fight for freedom please like download and subscribe this has been an existing media production